0: Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Cherise Ford-Hughes, the CMO of Pandora. It's the biggest jewelry store in the world measured by worldwide sales, but new competition has put a dent in its revenue. I asked Cherise about how the company is revamping its many stores and what else it's doing to right the ship. That's next. Welcome, Sharice. Hello. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Excited to dig into Pandora. Super,
1: super excited.
0: Not to be confused with the music.
1: Correct. Pandora Jewelry.
0: <laughs> how did that happen?
1: <laughs> were uh, you first? Long story. Yeah, we actually were first, um, <sighs> but we were probably not as sophisticated as we needed to be in terms of trademark, so probably. Dang. Bummer.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, here we sit. Yes. Well now, okay. We cannot confuse you. So jewelry, tell me a little bit about the brand for those who don't know.
1: So Pandora Jewelry has been in the U.S. for about 14 years. Um, it is a brand that's based in Copenhagen, Denmark.
0: Oh, great. Which is Um, having a moment. Yeah. Which is having an
1: amazing moment from a fashion standpoint. Definitely. And it's based in, um, Danish, uh, uh, aesthetic. Um, but the jewelry is all made in Thailand. Got it's it. all hand finished. Um, and it started with the beautiful and iconic charm bracelet yes. um, that we're all very familiar with. So um, the brand had like a meteoric rise um, over, you know, a 10 year period. And so now we're kind of recalibrating as we get our footing once again and, and try to reconnect with consumers after having su- such a, a fast growth.
0: Yes. Are you traveling the world all the time? Uh, no, I'm
1: based in the Americas, so I'm traveling the Americas region, um, mostly in the U.S. and Latin America. Um, and that's where I spend most of my time traveling, but occasionally I'm in Copenhagen.
0: Yes. Okay, great. I feel like you are in comeback mode. Um, just Katie and my team did a story on you guys recently. I'm going to read it, put you on the spot. Please. Um, it says, the company lost 27% of market value followed by an additional 61%. So this was 2017, 2018, and then sales dropped 12% in the first quarter of 2019. So what was happening there? So, I mean, as brands,
1: you know, grow really, really fast. So our demand outpaced any sort of marketing or strategy that we ever had. So we didn't really know how we wanted to take the next phase of growth. And I think um, what we've what we've kind of rethought, um, because on the way to that growth, we um, we were getting amazing fans that fell in love with the brand and loved the charm bracelet and were, you know, telling stories about their moments and their life through the brand and through the charms. Um, but as consumers um, started to shift, person, you know, their uh, desires and their habits, um, we didn't necessarily keep pace in terms of innovation, um, using data and insights to actually inform what consumers wanted. And so um, because of that, we uh, We fell a little bit behind. Um, Well, I say we fell a lot behind. Um, And so now we're kind of recalibrating and thinking about, you know, how is the brand going to be relevant to consumers today? What does that look like? How do we define ourselves? Um, So we've been on this journey over the last four months um, to really redefine what the brand is Got it. and restate the brand's purpose, which is all about giving a voice to people's loves, Got which it. I think is really core to the value proposition that we were always delivering to consumers, but that we weren't necessarily communicating in a very sort of direct and Um, In a uh, emotional way. Yes. Um, And so um, that's where we are. And I think uh, it's it's definitely not a you know, it's not a slam dunk. There's no silver bullet to get us back to where we need to be. Um, But I think we've started to think about um, the consumer more put the consumer at the heart of everything that we're doing using our data and insights. Um, as well as bringing in some partners and some collaborations to help us get back on track.
0: Okay, great. So what happened four months ago? Was there a new uh, leader that brought in or was there So a new we plan? got a new leader in April.
1: Okay. And... He has uh, an amazing background. Uh, he comes from CPG. He was at PNG and g uh, and And so has a really awesome foundation in branding and marketing. And so understands the value and the importance of brands. Yes. Um, and so uh, he has um, really encouraged us to increase our spend um, so that we're actually appealing to and reaching more consumers. Especially as we're thinking about this shift in perception. So when you think about it, Pandora has about a 90% recognition. So people know Pandora. They know the brand and they know it as a charm bracelet brand. Yes. And that's not what we're trying to change. What we're cha- trying to change is those associations that may be negative that are related to charms and bracelets and Pandora. And so in order to do that in a very mass way, we wanted to really invest and in, increase our investment in marketing. We also started to restate and uh, re-articulate the brand purpose around giving a voice to people's loves. We, um, in addition to that, launched an amazing new innovation um, because we need innovation to to survive. Yes. Um, so we had this beautiful O-carrier, pendant which i'm not wearing uh but um should be um and it's a beautiful way and new expression uh, a necklace and pendant that allows us to uh it's a new way to to wear charms um so it's not the charm bracelet but it's something that's around your neck that you can that it's it's close to your heart right okay um so it gives you an opportunity to um to wear our charms and collect our charms. Okay, great. And then um, lastly, we partnered with some amazing folks to help us tell the story of the brand, Um, one of which is Millie Bobby Brown. Yes. Um, And we launched this amazing collection in collaboration with her to really target that Gen Z audience. Um, And the collection is called Pandora Me. Okay, um, and it is a beautiful collection. It's fun. It's chunky. It's got these really cute charms and earrings um, that all tell the story about Millie and and her sort of young life. If you yes. Will.
0: <laughs> so Gen Z, that seems like a, per- a perfect face of the brand to reach that that customer. Who was your customer prior?
1: Our customer prior was much more of a suburban mom. Um, So, I mean, because the brand started around moments, I mean, you know, if you're a young person, like what moments are you really celebrating necessarily? So, you know, it started as a gifting brand that husbands would give their wives and girlfriends. And so, you know, you're a mom. You are, you know, uh, you know your parent, your anniversary, those types of gifts. Um, and so, it was a bit more of a, you know, 46, 40 to forty-six year old consumer. Yeah. And so, we've worked really hard to diversify the brand beyond that consumer audience because we want to be sustained. You know, we want to be yeah. around for. 20, 30, 40 more years.
0: Yeah, Um, I feel like you've always had a kind of uh, a great celebrity face of the brand. Was Shakira at one point? She's having a moment. (laughs) So yeah,
1: exactly. Amazing one to talk about, Shakira. She was fantastic at the Super Bowl. Yes. And she is super dynamic. She, you know, her heritage um, and her diverse um, mindset and her embracing of women and women's causes is made her a perfect fit for Pandora.
0: Got it. So you yeah. look for a powerful woman, yeah, a strong. Following on social, <laughs> what social <else>? matters. Yes,
1: <laughs> let's not forget about social. Um, but also, um, it's really important that you you know you champion causes. And one of the things about Shakira is that she has a foundation that is all about educating people in her uh, in her home country Definitely. of Colombia. So um, we wanted uh, people who are truly giving a voice to people's loves, but also caring about. Um, about their community and about the world we live in.
0: Yeah. So you said so. the new leader came in um, came very much about um, investing, investing um, in branding, growth. marketing,
1: building back that love and that passion and that emotion connected to the brand.
0: Yes. Was that both um, in terms of people and in terms of marketing spend? Did you grow your team? What was happening there?
1: Yes. In fact, um we have been on a journey of uh, really enhancing the team and thinking about data and insights differently. Yep. Um, you know, Pandora, you know, being in a relatively smaller market, uh, Tier 2 City is how I like to term Baltimore, which is an amazing and it's it's coming up, but um, certainly... Uh, focused on talent and how we get the right talent. So we had to broaden our perspective on talent. Um, You don't necessarily have to live in Baltimore to be on the Pandora team. You know, the way that uh, folks are... um working these days, it, it doesn't have to be, we don't have to be together. But oh, there's a way to build community regardless of that. So, um, so we built the team around, you know, these key capabilities and skill sets that we wanted to enhance. Um, and they were, you know, we wanted to um, strengthen our loyalty capabilities. We wanted to understand and connect the data that we have in e-commerce and online with our club so that we can get, you know, this holistic view of the customer and how they're shopping, how they're browsing, and how we can use that data to really enrich uh, future um, consumers and target future consumers, but also enrich their experience with us. Um, And then we also diversified into a stronger uh, team of brand marketers as well. So really have built out those capabilities.
0: Got it. So marketers a data scientists as well?
1: Yeah. So data, data scientists we built out in our home market, right. uh, in our home headquarters.
0: So if folks are not in your headquarters, are they working from home and they're on Slack? Not everyone is in-house. No.
1: Um, well, not everyone is in our America's headquarters. Yes. So they are spread all around. Got and it. We're, you know, we're making it work.
0: Definitely. So, what can you tell me about the negative associations with Pandora? Was it the quality that you were improving, or um, what was what was improving? That um
1: I think there were a couple things. One is um, we we're not investing in the brand and the connection to the brand. So I think that women had started to say, you know what, my husband is sort of getting on autopilot. He's giving me this gift or my boyfriend's, you know, on autopilot and sort of easy gift without sort of that connection of emotion and um, that that you want to have when you receive a gift. Um, So that I think is number one. And that probably was because we weren't investing to connect with her. Um, Secondarily, I think we had not um, evolved the aesthetic of the brand, okay. um, which contributed to, you know, women saying, okay, i like something a little bit more refined or more delicate, less chunky. Um, that's the aesthetic that I'm evolving into. And I think we weren't growing and developing with our consumer. And those are yeah. areas that I think, you know, we've really focused on how we can improve.
0: Got it. I feel like you guys were early on in this kind of customization demand wave um, so you think that, you know, the the kind of troubles in the last couple of years, others swooped in, they saw the opportunity. Um did you see some copycats at the sa- at the same time? Yeah, I mean, of
1: course, competition is fierce, right? Yes. So it's like, okay, you have this charm bracelet and you have this repeat purchase behavior. So consumers are coming back to get more charms. So that's a great model for retail. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? Um, sure. So many, many competitors in the marketplace, um, you know, lower priced, yes. not hand finished, not the same quality that Pandora was offering. So um, that's easy to do, right? So, yes. it was, you know, barriers to entry were very very low. So um, that also was, you know, nipping at our heels as we we're thinking about not necessarily innovating at the pace that we should have.
0: Got it. Data and insights. What else do you know about your customer? How did you know that they maybe wanted something more delicate? Are you doing surveys and quizzes and all of all Tons. that jazz? I mean, I was actually on the way here. I was thinking about like all of the research
1: and all the consumer insights that we have. It's beyond. Um, So, yes, there are ethnographies and we're in their home and looking at how they're wearing jewelry and how they, you know, get ready for in the morning. Um, So it's that simple to all the way to, you know, evaluating um, their propensities, their preferences. So, you know, we want to go from People being unknown to us to being completely known. So, how do we, you know, use who they are from a demographic standpoint? And that's the data that we have in our first-party data. Yeah. Um, and then how do we enrich that um, through credit cards and other information that we're that we're using? Um, and you know, really trying to understand their habits, their attitudes. That has really been a big part of. Of our learning and insights, yeah. Um, and then, lastly, we're we're understanding how our media is working for us. Okay. Um, so that through you know triple M, you know media mix models, um, and those types of like sort of. Fancy analytical tools yeah. to um, make sure that we're spending our money in the right places and deploying it, and then learning from that. Um, we also do quite a lot of test and learns. Um, so one thing that we're that we're looking at right now is this widget around gifting, because the so many of our consumers are shopping during these key holidays. We understand the gifter, yes, but we don't necessarily as deeply understand like who they're buying for. okay. And so we're going a little bit deeper. We've got this cool widget that we'll um, leverage around Valentine's Day and probably into Mother's Day to really dig into that end user and understand, like, you know what could how could we enhance that experience for the gifter so that they're getting the perfect gift?
0: Ooh, what is this widget? What happens? <laughs> <laughs> you go online during thank uh, during our Valentine's Day and you'll see. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. What a um an opportunity. So Valentine's is that your Christmas or is it maybe equivalent? So it's not equivalent. It goes Christmas, yes. Mother's Day,
1: Valentine's in terms of the size of Got the it. three holidays. And then we're thinking about all the other occasions that we can appeal to you, you know, birthdays, anniversaries. And then you know summer when you're changing your wardrobe and so
0: seasonal changes as well. Great. So how do you tap into that? You take you know people are shopping, they need a Valentine's gift. You're increasing marketing spend. You're diversifying the channels. What are you doing?
1: You are doing all of that. Yeah. Um, and you're doing it. Uh, Um, across multiple different channels, across multiple different audiences. So um, one of the things that is really important for us is thinking about, you know, is the consumer in market? So the easy part actually is the Valentine's Day, the Mother's Day and the holiday, because we know when those people are in market and we know how to reach them, how to get them from being unknown to known. You know, who are they? We understand their demographics and we're using those demographics to help us to better target them. Um, But uh, when, you know, When we're not in those peak, those tentpole moments, how are we putting ourselves into um, culture and to conversation so that we can keep it going and keep connecting with them? Because, again, it's about that end user that we really want to
0: want to appeal to. Got it. So what channels are proving effective?
1: So we, um, as I don't know if I mentioned this, um, we were on TV for uh, last fall. um, And it was really, uh, this was a major step for us because we had not invested in TV uh, around the September time period. And we chose this time because it was the brand relaunch. Um, and it's also a very quiet period for jewelry, actually. Oh, okay. Um, so we were able to really have that share of voice and really connect directly with consumers with a reasonable amount of spend. Yes. Um, so we went on TV uh, with this the um, O pendant uh, with an amazing campaign campaign. Uh, that was all about whimsy and it was very differentiated from what you would have normally seen for Pandora. And so it really moved the needle in terms of shifting perception about what the brand stood for. Um, So TV uh, about, about half and then heavily investing across all the other channels. So playing in, you know, video um, you know, social of course, search um, and other digital channels and programmatic.
0: Got it. Did you do a promo code or something on TV? How were you able to kind of track, you saw this commercial, that's why you're shopping with us?
1: So a couple ways. Um, So first and foremost Mm -hmm. is through search trends. So we just look at, you know, what's happening, where we're seeing peaks and valleys and when we're on TV. Yeah. Um, And then we also do um, an interesting brand assessment because we want to understand, are we moving these metrics from a brand standpoint? So are we getting brand lift? Um, Are you seeing, having favorability to the brand? Do you have a shift in perception? So we do um, a Millward-Brown study where post-campaign to assess how we're, you know, how we're lifting some of those key metrics. And we saw really, really strong movement.
0: Awesome. We've got to dig into your physical retail, your stores. You've got a lot. How many? We do. Well, we are in about
1: seventeen hundred points of distribution in the U.S. Okay, um, about one hundred and eighty. So that so we are in some multi brand stores, so like a Jared or a Reed's, if you're familiar with Reed's, yeah. which is a more regional um, jeweler. But we also have some multi brand distribution as well. Okay, um, um, some owned, and then of course e commerce. Got it. So, so you- we are an omni channel retailer. <laughs> Or we're working our way there. We're trying to get there. (laughs) The name of the game. Right on. So
0: your own stores. You've uh, just recently revamped them. You've got a new concept. How would you describe the concept? I think it. my take is experiential. Yeah,
1: it's experiential. We call it the expression store. So it's all about um, taking some of the amazing insights and ways that we curate collections and um, storytell on e-commerce yes. and bringing some of that in store, um, and so we have an amazing charm bar that's all about giving a voice to people's love. So it, you know, it's organized by people's places, passions, um, and it really features our, you know, beautiful top-selling products. Yep. Um, we've also curated some of our best-selling collections. Um, there is, you know, lots of kind of touch and feel and interactivity. We also launched um, my favorite, which is an engraving station, uh, which allows consumers, you know, come in store and within four minutes have an engraved item. Um, so personalization, it's the, at the best at its best. Yep. Um, and so this has been a really exciting project, and and we're um, we're off to the races to see, you know, where we go next. We have a few more stores rolling out in the first first half of this year.
0: And those are all in the states, right? You've got a large, yeah. We have presence. about
1: uh, almost ten globally. Okay, uh, of the stores that have rolled out.
0: Okay, great. Yeah. Of those concept stores. Of those concept stores, yes.
1: correct. So this is our first sort of dipping our toe, and and we wanted to go slowly yeah. so that we could make sure that we got the concept right um, and nailed it. Uh, we have some really, really heavy traffic during those holidays that I talked to you about. So want to make sure we get the store navigation right um, and customers feel like they are really um, having an enhanced experience.
0: Got it. Let's take a quick break. I know you guys have tested pop-ups, I think, in here in New York. Yeah, we um, did. Have you tried—is there a move towards maybe a smaller format or even, um, a, I don't know, a goal to move away from malls? I know a lot of your stores mm-hmm. are within the mall, and that's kind of a risky business right now. <laughs>
1: we are—our um, stores are actually in um, some of the best malls, and so we've uh, been fortunate in that regard in terms of when we build out our footprint, we really— Focused on those top performing malls, and so we are—we're not diversifying or we're not expanding distribution. I should say, yeah. um, our growth or evolution will come through sort of the transformation of some of those stores into um, upgraded stores and store experiences. Got That's it. really our focus.
0: Yes, ideally, what would be the breakdown of uh, your direct to consumer sales versus your wholesale sales?
1: We're a little under twenty percent of our um, sales being done on ecom. Okay. Um, And the rest being done in wholesale and our own stores. So,
0: yeah. Got it. Yeah. How are you driving to your stores? (laughs) What are you finding? it's interesting. We just had an event and it was like, um, because it's such a giftable item, men buying for women, um, it was an Amazon event. And we heard that, you know, women buy in store, men are buying on Amazon makeup um which is interesting so like support through Sephora I'm I'm not being clear <laughs> anyway men no, are shopping Sephora on Amazon or yes I got you Sephora we available.
1: actually men are our last minute shoppers in store actually so we find it. that, I mean, it's not to say that obviously there are some men who are shopping online, but we find that, you know, we have a last minute shopper um, and he is male. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's lined up at our stores a, a day on the day of Valentine's Day or, you know, uh, <laughs> the day before Christmas or whatever. So um, it works out though. Yes. Um, but the other thing that we're doing in terms of driving traffic to our stores is we actually have online visibility of inventory. So if you want it now. Oh, great. You can go online and you can figure out what store it's in and go in, in store and purchase it. We're also testing uh, click and collect. Okay. So, um, you know, if you want to reserve it and make sure that it's there and you also want to see it first before you purchase it or you want to compliment it or get some suggestions, um, that allows consumers to go in. So um, we are working on a few things, Omnichannel, to really maximize the way that we're interacting between, you know, e-commerce and in-store. And, and
0: Got it. So did you upgrade your e-cover site at the same time that you were upgrading your store? We gave it a al- facelift for yes. sure.
1: Absolutely. We wanted to align it with the brand identity. Yep. Um, so it is a new experience. The navigation I think is is much um, friendlier. Yes. Um, and speedier. Yes. <laughs> which is important.
0: <laughs> Definitely to conversion for sure. So you are relying it's your hope charms are going to stay on trend. You're staying in this category um, and the idea is just evolving them to to better fit I don't know the trend and also demand
1: yeah I mean I think it's a couple things I think we are um, we are committed to being a brand that leads with charms there's no doubt about it but Um, when you think about our sort of, one of our pillars is around collecting. Yes. And collecting is across all categories of jewelry. You see women layering necklaces, they're stacking rings, they're layering bracelets, you know, wearing multiple bracelets with charms. And so um, we see collecting as the core of who we are, and that's been the DNA of the brand. So now we just need to get back to doing that really well. Yes. Um, And then... um, reminding women or sort of restating to women or introducing a new generation of women to Pandora and this idea of giving a voice to people's loves and the fact that we, you know, we are all about you expressing who you are and expressing your loves through jewelry.
0: Nice. I think you've got a bunch of ambassadors who you call them muses. I saw that mm-hmm. on your site. Who, mm-hmm. who makes a Pandora Muse? There are six of them, and they're
1: amazing.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. We love
1: them. (laughs) Yes. So we have an amazing Muses program, um, and we um, partner with the Muses as uh, we're thinking about multifaceted women that can help bring this sense of community to the brand. Um, Women like Larson Thompson and Georgia Mae Jagger and Natalie Emanuel. So different, you know, different walks of life, different experiences, different ethnicities, different passions, um, all coming together to represent uh, Pandora and be our inspiration for nice. our jewelry.
0: So they're posting about the brand on their own channels. Um, outside of these ambassadors, well, first of all, do they have other responsibilities? I know they're featured on Absolutely, the site. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, so the whole Connection. The
1: whole idea is to um, have them represent our brand and our brand values and our purpose, um, and they're doing that. Um, they're doing that in their in every in their everyday life, as well as being um, representing us at key events and activations throughout the year.
0: And beyond them, are you working with other influencers? Are influencers a large part Absolutely. of your your Absolutely. marketing gig?
1: Yeah, they're very important. So we have a multi-tiered influencer strategy. Um, you talked about Shakira. So last year we partnered with Shakira, who was amazing. Um, but we um, go from you know a celebrity type of influencer like Shakira all the way down to a micro or a nano influencer. And one thing that we've been doing um, over the last year is um, leveraging, Influencers and partnering with them to drive traffic in stores, so to create these kind of mini events in store. Oh, great! Um, and they help to engage uh, consumers. They bring them in. Um, yeah. They bring their followers in to local events, and then they also help to you know style and give encouragement and um, really help them to you know surprisingly style their jewelry in new and, and fun ways.
0: And that's the- so it's been great that's the concept for these events. It's
1: like, come yeah. and get
0: styled. Yeah, come okay. and get styled.
1: And there, I mean, there are different themes like rose, we had rosé all day, which was all right. around Pandora Rose. Yeah. Um, so really fun themes that are relevant to our jewelry, but also that um, the influencers can connect to and, and be inspired by.
0: Okay, great. And beyond influencers, ambassadors, Shakira, um, who else makes a, a strong collaborator? Disney was a collaborator, correct? Uh, is it still is? Oh, yeah, Disney. Why Disney? Disney is at
1: the heart of this brand. I mean, I think Disney, like Disney and Pandora are like two brands like that are like love partners. Like yes. <laughs> we were made in heaven. Totally. Yeah, Disney has been a really fantastic partner and Pandora and Disney have successfully thrived. Our fans and their fans are um, they're connected. I mean, I think it's because of um, the iconic nature of Disney. Um, and it makes for collectability. It makes for magical experiences. And there's something really emotional with Disney that yes. resonates really nicely with our consumers and um, them having a piece of Disney with them, uh, you know, connected to to our our brand and our jewelry.
0: Yes. Are you yeah. guys... Are your, is your, are your pieces sold in Disney Park? Yes, we have
1: some that are sold, yes.
0: Is that a large channel? A lot of sales? Um, it does quite well for us, yes. Interesting. Yeah, it does. I it wouldn't does. doubt yeah. it. Yeah. Tell me about the price point because you're in this great range. Is everything maybe around 100 it's accessible. So, our average
1: price is around $50. Yep. Um, but our entry prices are pretty, pretty low because, um, as a matter of fact, the Pandora Me collection that we launched with Millie Bobby Brown was all about accessibility yes. from a price standpoint so that we could get that younger consumer in. So we want to have kind of a range of prices. So, yeah, I mean, they go up to 2000 because we have gold yes. in store, but the average is 50 and a normal sort of basket, you walk out of the store, you spend about $100. Yes. Yeah, so you've
0: got Millie. You're yeah. aiming for accessibility, yes. younger, fun. Yeah. Are you guys trying anything like TikTok or anything uh, to reach... Anything out of the ordinary to reach this younger consumer? Yes. So we actually did
1: do a partnership with TikTok in Mexico. Oh. And it was kind of our first um, introduction to TikTok. It performed really well. We did a charm check. Um, and Charm Challenge, um, really, really well received and um, amazing, um, you know, participation and um, engagement um, and videos. Um, so it was really fun. Yeah. I so love that these is challenges. probably on our radar for future.
0: Great. What was the challenge? They just had to create their custom mix and. So we partnered it. with um, some TikTokers. Yep. <laughs> who created a cute, cool video. And so the
1: challenge was to um, to replicate that. Um, on on TikTok, and it got the engagement. I mean, it you know, it's amazing because it's an interesting ch- it's an interesting channel, and um, you the music and and really working with the right TikTokers is so key to getting that engagement.
0: Yes, so to get it off and running, did you you worked with a TikTok inf- couple of TikTok couple influencers, of influencers and yeah. then it and then it caught and it it it, on from it there. You just
1: caught on from there. Yeah. Okay. It was how amazing. many?
0: Yeah. <laughs> how many does it take? Uh, I think
1: we had a million. Uh, well, yeah, I think a million. I have to check that.
0: A million. uh uses a million. Of the, yeah, the tag. Yep. Okay, oh, that's great. I'll be darned. Can we tell, talk about your background a little bit? Yes. Um You've come from the beauty world. Yes, I do. Um, Estee Lauder and yes. Avon? Avon. Yes. So, talk about the transition to this this world. What kind of learnings? We, you know, we talk about fashion and beauty on our site, mm-hmm. both of them. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Beauty was booming. Seeing this crazy, <laughs> I, I feel like they're both. Competitive. (laughs) They're both competitive. You've got your work cut out for you. (laughs) Um...
1: Beauty. I mean, beauty. I love beauty. uh, And that will never change. Um, So, yeah, almost 15 years of my career was spent in the beauty business. And uh, I was looking for a change. I wanted to kind of diversify category and industry and um, get closer to um, sort of the activation piece. And and in the beauty space, I was working on more global uh, in a more global role. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was... uh, A lot of fun. Um, I learned a ton in beauty. So I gained sort of all of my learnings around building brands and building brands at global scale, um, you know, innovation, pipeline planning, and how to, you know, launch new products. Yes, That's really um, the strength that I gained in the beauty business. And since I've been at Pandora, it's been like almost completely different, like understanding retail and, you know, getting to the data and the activation piece and and understanding the consumer you know, more deeply in terms of their behaviors and attitudes and how you get, um, how you drive and use the insights to drive that behavior. Yes. Um, as well as just understanding, you know, what are the parameters or the drivers of loyalty? Um, so really think about that customer lifetime value versus kind of the, the branding piece. So the two together, I think, go really nicely. Yes. <laughs> um, so having those two skill sets, I think, is is helpful in my career. At the um, time <laughs> with YouTube
0: as um, instrumental or as, as much a tool in beauty as it was as it, it was on now. the
1: on the it was on the tail end of my years there yes, yes. it had started to accelerate quite Quickly.
0: Yeah. Does that have yeah. a place for, for Pandora? Absolutely. On YouTube?
1: We are on YouTube. And, you know, it's still a lot of how to's. Yep. In beauty, it's all about, you know, how to get the, you know, smoky eye. In, you know, in YouTube for jewelry, it's, you know, how do I claim my jewelry? Or yeah. how do I style a bracelet? Or, you know, how do I stack a ring? Those types of Got things. Are and you we're guys, really focused on making sure we have the right tutorials.
0: Are you guys creating those or is that through influencers yes, we as are. well?
1: We are. We're creating them. They're through influencers both. Do you have a large yeah. content team in house? Um, We partner with agencies, so we have some in-house and some externally. Yes. Um, And then, of course, we have custom partnerships that we're doing all the time to make sure that we're staying close to that in consumer that we're trying to connect with. Got it.
0: So, one more thing on sales channels: Instagram. Are you selling on Instagram? Is as checkout part of the yes part of the future? Or are you already some, in there?
1: We've done some tests, um, but we haven't decided. <laughs> yes. What we'll do uh, as it rolls out. So, yeah. TBD. I think it's a question of access versus data. Yes, that's the fundamental, right? Like, do you want the the consumer to just have a very fast journey, or do you want to have the data? Yes, <laughs> right. So I think those are the trade offs that we have to make, and um, we're not there yet, but we're still assessing. Uh, and you know, as a, a brand like ours, that's all about changing perceptions, and you know, having people reevaluate who we are. We may. Yes, let's, is it the same it kind way. of
0: scenario with any wholesale partner, um, or are partners more uh, these days? They're freer with your data. They'll give you data. They'll you, you kind of have the control.
1: Well, with our wholesale partners that are franchisees, um, we own the data because Great. we are you know as part of the franchise agreement. Yep. Um, but when we have multi brands, it's sort of a different story. The bulk of our business is done through franchise owned. Yes as well as e-commerce. So, good news. (laughs) You've got the data. We get the data. (laughs) I have to
0: ask you about the loyalty club. Do you call it the club? Yeah, the club. Okay, yes. Tell me about that. How does it work? So,
1: the club is, um, right now, it's um, under reinvention. Um, So, it is sort of easily joined. You can go and create a club account um, via email uh, or on our website. Um, And we want you to tell us a little bit about you, about... um, what key occasions you have, you know, your birth date, so that we can engage you around these key moments in your life. Um, I think we have an b- opportunity to do a lot more. Um, and that's what we're exploring right now. So stay tuned for more to come sometime around the back half of this year.
0: Got it. And I have done that you're the third largest jewelry chain. Who are your competitors? Is that so one? I think legit? we're the
1: first largest. We're the largest, we're oh. the largest jewelry brand in the world. Got
0: it. Who's Hey, <laughs> I didn't realize who I'm talking to you here. Hey. Um, and does largest mean number of stores? What do you mean by that? Uh, sales. Sales. So, yeah, global sales. Who, Who's number two? Who are your competitors? Oh, I, number two t- is probably Tiffany. Yes. Yeah. How do you maintain that competitive advantage? Honestly,
1: our competitors are are everywhere, are gifted. Yes. because, I mean, there's so many direct-to-consumer brands. We were just talking about this, you know, you click on one just to explore what they have and so many, many, many more pop up because it's easy to scale and, um, So, you know, small direct-to-consumer brands, we have, you know, some of the larger, more established brands, um, as well as anything that's competing for your share of wallet, (laughs) especially during those key holidays. So, you know, it could be flowers, it could be experiences, because we know that um, consumers are really investing in experiences, so it might be a dinner date to, you know— you know, some fabulous restaurant that you, you know, you've been wanting to go to or a weekend away. All the things that would take your dollars away from, from Pandora and jewelry. So it's, it's vast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Better be ready. <laughs> Better be ready. Sounds so like you guys to continue ready. to reinvent that value proposition so that people are connecting to it and, and feel like a love and a passion for the
0: brand. Got it. So we're at the start of 2020. What can you tell me beyond more concept stores? What's happening? What are the, the goals for the year?
1: So in 2020, we are um, really focused on execution and um, how we execute with excellence, but also how we reignite the relevance of this brand. Um, We are also thinking about how we um, put the brand in some of these key cultural moments. So we have some interesting things coming. It's only February, so I can't really reveal everything. Okay. Um, But there are some fun things coming mid-year. Um, uh, continued uh, relationship with Millie, um, as well as uh, the back half of the year. And interestingly, uh, 2020 is um, the 20th anniversary of our charm bracelet. Oh, great. So um, we will have some exciting, uh, exciting innovation as well as uh, fun uh, engagement for our audiences and our consumers in, uh, in the late half of the year.
0: Meeting customer where they are. So <laughs> meeting the where they Omni are. Channel. Yeah, Omni channel. You're doing all the right yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Great to hear about it. Thank you, Shree. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Biename. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Don't forget that we're offering Glossy Podcast listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories. Use the code podcast at checkout. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week.